You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance. The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information. Kate, welcome to the next episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. What are we talking about today? Well, today I thought we should talk about how exchange-traded funds, or more commonly known as ETFs, have mm-hmm. changed our personal investing worlds and what we're so keen on about them. Okay, yeah, why we like them. Yeah. Uh, sure. So we've done, I feel like we've done an episode on this. But we're going to do a bit more. We're In going to go depth. into a bit more detail. Yeah. What to look for? We've had a few questions come through about mm. ETFs and how to get started. We do mention them a lot. We do. Yes, we do. Probably too much. Some people think that's like, <laughs> I don't know. We're singing from the hymn books of the, <laughs> the, the the ETF issuers or something. But we're not. Um. So okay, cool. So we're going to do like a quick recap, mm. and then okay. we're going to dig into some of the nitty gritty yeah, stuff and some of the key things to look for if you're trying to pick your own ETF. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So why don't we? First of all, just kick things off, what is an ETF? So, exchange-traded fund, it, it essentially represents a basket of shares. or it, Well, it could be anything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I people think, know them as shares, right? Yeah. yeah. So, we'll stick with shares for now. So, you might have an ETF provider that buys the top 200 Australian-listed shares, and they package it all up neatly. Uh, each share's weighted accordingly to the index, and you can buy units in this of this package. Okay, so you get by the basket instead of going out and buying each individual yeah, one, you get so, all 200 in one go. Yeah, so someone's already yeah. done the shopping for you because yep. it would cost you a fortune to go out and buy every single one of those 200 shares mm-hmm. uh, in terms of brokerage, time, effort, money, and that top 200 share and basket keeps changing as well. So the ETF provider actually keeps buying and selling um, based on what's in the top 200, for example, 
Um, but of course, there's ETFs for everything and anything nowadays. Mm. There's, there's plenty of them. I think there's around about 200 as we record this, but there'll probably yeah. be more I mean, in six months. Globally, there's ETFs uh, for cybersecurity and healthcare and all sorts of things. So mm-hmm. you can pretty much pick an ETF for any basket of shares you want nowadays. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it can go beyond shares. So you've got bonds, pro- uh, property, uh, you've got cash, currencies hedge fund style ETFs. Mm. There's a a whole host of uh, different things. It's pretty much a buffet. You can just go out and pick and choose what you want. So, okay, we'll get to some of those in just a moment. But how do we buy an ETF? Well, in Australia, we can buy them through our broker. So, Like a stock brokerage? Yeah. Yep, okay. So, um, most of the online financial institutions do offer brokerage services that you Mm -hmm. can easily set up an account for free uh, and buy and sell ETFs at any time. Um, and you just have to pay a brokerage fee. That for a small amount, you're probably paying sort of ten to twenty dollars. Okay, so you're saying if you buy like a thousand dollars worth of an ETF, it's going to cost you ten or twenty bucks. Yeah, cool. And that comes out when you invest, right? Yeah. So when you make the purchase, yeah, and, cool. and so that's pretty much you're paying the um, the broker to actually process that trade for you. Yep, cool. Okay, and uh, the Australian Stock Exchange is open between 10 a.m. and around about 4? 4 p.m., yep. Yeah, cool. And there's probably 15 minutes either side of that. But one yeah. thing to note, I think, with ETFs is you should probably do the trade in the middle of the day. So put your trade in mm. the middle of the day. Uh, it just – I don't want, want to get too, bogged down too much of the detail right now, but it probably helps the ETF issuer get you those units a bit quicker, mm. a bit more efficiently. Okay, so how much do you need to buy an ETF? Uh, well, most brokers in Australia, $500 is the minimum parcel size. Cool. So um, can... And that could get you 10 units in XYZ ETFs. So um, cool. it really depends. All the ETFs are different price based on where they initially listed and their underlying assets. Cool. Okay. Nice. Uh, okay. I think we'll just maybe jump straight into the list then because yeah. uh, we can cover off everything as we go. Um, so we know where to buy them, we know what they are, and we both like them. Yep. Okay. Cool. So, you uh, kindly got sucked into one of my emails that is automated <laughs> that go out to for free to anyone that wants to get one. Yeah. Um, Owen's targeted me on his mailing list as well. Yes. So, you can – yeah. So, all the stuff that we're going to talk about now is actually in an email form if you want to receive it that way. It's mm. a bit more detailed. But now that we know that there's about 200 of them, how do we decide which one's right? So, I'm going to take you through some things that I look for. Hmm. And uh, Kate, fire away any questions that you have or yeah, feel definitely. free to elaborate on things that I just... And how to filter it down and narrow it to yeah. something that's suitable for you. Yeah, cool. Okay. So when we're looking at individual ETFs and, and these are the kind of kinds of things that I, I, I ask before I buy or invest in one, the first thing you want to ask is what does the ETF do? So I describe an ETF as the wrapper around whatever's inside. Mm. So it's just a way to get in and out. It kind of like, like you said, you can buy and sell it with a brokerage account. In the past, you had to actually fill out a form, send the form off and get the units back. Now good you just do days. it all. Yeah, the good old days. Some <laughs> funds still do that, as you know. Nowadays, you can just do it straight through your brokerage account. So the first question to ask is, what are you getting? And we know that there's typically passive ways to invest so index funds i think we did an episode on that which is uh typically this low cost that's what most etfs are known for this low cost index like investment mm. um pretty simple pretty you know from a historical perspective that perform pretty well 
Um, that's what we typically know. But you can also get, like you said, more esoteric, more out there investments. Yeah. So things that, for example, go the opposite direction mm-hmm. of the share market. And you might be thinking, well, why do you want to go the opposite direction of the share market if the share market tends to go up? Well, you might think, say, over the next six months that the share market's going to fall. So you buy this ETF, the share market falls, you benefit. It's kind of like the opposite effect, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a good one. Okay, so what are you getting? And that's like the strategy. That should be written on the ETF's website. You could probably get an, a rough idea of what it does just by simply reading the name. For example, yeah. this is just an example only. You might have the Vanguard Australian Shares ETF. Well, you know it's Australian shares without even reading what else is inside. Like you kind of get, get that mm, idea. Yeah. But you don't know exactly what it does. You don't know how much is allocated where. Like you said, they're transparent. But you've actually got to look and see what's inside yeah, if you want to know. it might be the top 200 or the yeah. top 1,000 and they're quite different things. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, it could be a bond ETF, but bonds are like – there's so many different types of bonds and yeah. totally different outcomes if you invest in one of them and you don't know what you're getting. So I would look at that. What are you getting? And look at not only is what asset class, so is it bonds, is it shares, is it cash, is it whatever – also look at the sectors. So what are you being exposed to? If you're investing in shares, do you want all the shares or do you want shares excluding some others? Mm. Or do you only want shares, for example, in the technology sector or the banking sector or whatever? Next one is geography. Where are these shares coming from? Where are these bonds coming from? For example, you've got ETFs that invest only in Australian shares, some that invest in Australian shares but also more broadly to mm. overseas, some that only invest overseas, etc. You get the idea. So the last thing to think about in this first little checklist that I have is that how long are you how long are you planning to invest? Yeah, you need to know that because if you're investing in riskier investments, uh, riskier ETFs like share ETFs as opposed to a cash ETF, mm. you want to be investing longer. So I draw I kind of draw the line at three years. When you think about the share market, I think it was Deutsche Bank that had a study that showed once every 357 days the market corrects, so yeah. it suffers a pretty hefty fall. You don't want to be relying on the money if it falls, yeah. right? Because you're, you're going to be what we call a forced seller. So if you're dead set on buying a property next year, it's not probably the place you want to be putting your no. money. So you wouldn't even get to choosing an ETF. You wouldn't even yeah. think about that. I mean, you could go into a cash ETF, but you could just do that in the bank account anyway. Second thing, which is a unique one that not many people know about, which is the ETF issuer. You called them an ETF provider before. So we mentioned the name Vanguard. This is not a recommendation, but it's just that's a very popular one. Another one might be BetaShares, iShares, Spider, State Street, um, ETF, ETF Securities. Securities. Yeah, there's heaps, right? So the the importance of this comes back to my point earlier on that the worst case scenario is an ETF gets closed up. It goes out of yeah. business. Typically, you as the investor still own the what's inside the ETF. So you don't need to – I mean, you don't need to worry, but you do need to keep it, be mindful mm-hmm. that if it does close, they'll probably send you back whatever the value of your shares are or some way they'll try yeah. and do that. There might be a bit of friction, like you might lose some on the way back, but ultimately it would just be an administrative burden. So I just think avoid ETF issuers or companies that probably are at risk of going out of business. Yeah, The ETF industry is, has grown very well, but there will come a point where it doesn't anymore. Hmm. So I would ask things like, does this ETF issuer have a good track record? Are they big? So do they have many ETFs? Do they have lots of people investing in them? Because these things all contribute to them earning fees, which means that they're more likely to not only keep their ETF in business, but potentially lower fees. Yeah. You know, if they're bigger, they get more efficient, which means they can potentially lower fees like uh, Vanguard mm. has done recently. So that's that's something to consider. Now, the next step is um, the ETF size. And this relates to that point, which is if the ETF is a really big ETF and it's got a lot of money invested in it, that's what I mean by big, 
then it's going to be earning fees for the ETF issuer. That means they're not likely to close it down if it's mm-hmm. doing well for them. Why mm-hmm. would they, of course? But if it's a really poorly, um, if, or really inefficient ETF, I should say, then they might be at risk. They might close it down sooner than you expect. And so you as an investor are left a bit stranded there. So my kind of line in the sand is that if it's a low-cost ETF and it's got less than $100 million in it, and you can check that by going to the latest monthly statements, quarterlies, or the website, or the ASX, whatever. If it's got less than $100 million invested, I wouldn't go near it. Mm. There's a few reasons for that, and we can get into them, but basically, if the stock market falls 40%, and this ETF is only $100 million, it then goes becomes $60 million, then people start to freak out, and they take mm. their money out, and then all of a sudden, it becomes $40 million. And they're not making very much in terms yep. of management fees. Yeah, and then the ETF issuer goes, okay, we're just going to cut this. We're going to yeah. you know, cut our losers. Okay, so that's one thing. Another thing with bigger ETFs tend to be more efficient. We talk about costs as in you pay X percent, and I'll get to that in just a moment, per year. But you also pay something without noticing called the buy-sell spread, which is the difference between a buy orders and sell orders inside your brokerage account. You can see that. And typically, the bigger ETFs have more investors in them, which means that the the difference between the two numbers mm. is smaller, which is a good thing. Fourth, we're looking at fees and costs. So the best fee to look for is something called the management expense ratio. Uh, lower equals better. Um, you'll hear professionals talk about this thing called basis points. Basically, 100 basis points equals 1%. So if I say this ETF has a, a management fee or a management expense ratio, MER, of 20 basis points, that means 0.2% per year yeah all right um i'll just cut to the chase and say that if you're paying more than 0.5 percent or 50 basis points you need to have a pretty good reason why you're paying that much Mm. because there's so many etfs in the country that unless you've got a really good reason for it you probably don't need to be paying more than that because it's not that complicated for the company to actually run an etf with the top 200 shares they the cases where they might be charging more if they've got some complicated strategy that yeah. you want for a particular reason. But if you're just looking for something simple, then it shouldn't be costing for you sure. too much. For sure. It's just a computer at the end of the day doing most yeah. of it. So the big picture here, though, is that I've, we say that lower fees are good, but I don't want you to think that because it has a 0.2% fee versus a 0.4% fee that you should automatically go to the cheap one. Mm. You have to consider all of these things in the checklist because at the end of the day, if you invest $1,000 – and you're comparing a 0.4% and 0.2% ETF, it's only $2 difference. Yeah. So. And you don't want that to interfere with you picking the best option for yourself. Yeah, and that, that's right. You could get it, you could be getting crap for mm. 0.2% just like anything else. And okay. there's also a, a risk if they're not charging anything mm. at all, like some have recently started doing in the US, that they've actually been short selling and doing some other things with them. Yeah, they're going to be. Making money somehow, right? So you need to be careful with those too. As always, no free lunch. So make sure if it is, if Mm. you do see something free, and I don't think at the moment in Australia there are any zero management cost ETFs, but if there are, make sure you check what they're doing with the underlying assets. For sure. For sure. Okay. So the next point is performance and uh, risks that I look at. So I would never look at an ETF and be like, that's done really well in the past, therefore it's going to do really well in the future. Yes, Everyone's the, heard the past disclaimer. Past performance never equals future performance. Yep, exactly. So I would consider the the risks for an ETF uh, at the portfolio level. So mm-hmm. how much of this do you need? For example, if you went 100% crypto in 2017, you would be very feeling very sorry for yourself right now. Um, but you can also consider it at the individual investment level. So mm-hmm. 
which ETF are you buying? Like, what's the risks associated with that? We just talked about the size and those types of things, but also the portfolio level. So the question that you need to ask yourself is, what is my risk profile? Hmm. And for me, that comes back to a few things. It comes back to how much time do you have to do your research? Because if you don't have much time, you should probably just go simple is better. Yeah. Honestly, simple is better. How much do you know about investing? Because that's going to influence your behavior, but it's also going to influence your ability to pick good investments ultimately. And the third thing is, which is what we talked about with Ted Richards on the podcast recently, which was temperament and personality and biases mm. that people can fall into. Everyone's a high growth investor until they work out that it's also <laughs> high risk and really bad things happen. So something to consider. Uh, performance, like we said, not indicative of future returns. When you look at performance of an ETF, judge it over more than three years if it's available. Mm. And one little pet hate that I have is when fund managers say, look at the back test. And a back test is something that it looks like real performance and they sometimes include it in their charts without telling you, unless it's in the fine print, of course, but a back test is done in simulation. It's not mm. done in reality. And everything looks good in simulation because that's what they're designed to do. They're not going to yeah. go, look how bad my back test was. They're always going to say, look how good it is. Mm. Why, why would they tell you it's bad? So, you know, the thing, to, and this is something that was really instilled upon me when I was a funds management analyst is that different ETFs or different funds will do better at different times. And those generally play out over multiple years. So you've got to compare like mm. for like. So the sixth thing on the checklist is kind of the same thing as the the risks you need to be aware of so portfolio allocation and um, this is it sounds a lot more fancy than what it is it's effectively just asking yourself how much do you have where Mm. so um, a common example that you'll hear in financial circles is this thing called a 60 40 portfolio and what it is is effectively 60 percent shares and 40 percent of your money in bonds those that's how simple it is right and that's what we typically when you look at studies and, and, and finance people, what they say when they're talking about diversified portfolios performance over time, they talk about, <clears throat> pardon me, this balanced strategy. And so for you as an individual investor, basically you need to recognize what's more risky and what's less risky. So obviously things like shares would be more risky than things like bonds or cash, so cash ETFs, which are all available on the ASX. But then right at the risky end as well, you might have those ones that you're talking about like levered leveraged etfs and things that go in the opposite direction yeah yeah um so we i think you've brought this up before on the podcast that to have your age in bonds is what some experts tell you to have yeah i heard that at a asx investor conference once. <laughs> right okay so that would be I if you're 30 to have 30 percent of your money in bonds yeah it was a bonds salesperson they were uh, saying right, it of course so it was. you know take it with a grain of salt yeah so when I went, 100%, you always, always understand the incentives. As Charlie Munger says, um, what is his, um, show me the incentives and um, I'll show you the outcome. Yeah. Um, okay, so the, the, the thing here for this is that what I'm trying to get at here is if you already have a portfolio that's invested heavily in shares, as much as we say that shares are great for the long term and all that sort mm. of stuff, it's important to diversify away from that. So you as an investor need to recognize, well, what am I trying to do with this? with this investment I'm about to make. And if you've recognized you're sitting there and you're going, I've got 90% of my money in Australian shares, I don't have any international shares, I don't have anything in property, you might want to sit back and and maybe look at your other options. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one of the things, and I think I've got a video on this, which is I prefer to use this idea of like a a core and a satellite portfolio we've talked about before, Mm -hmm. which is effectively just have some really low-cost good ETFs 
And then you can always invest in shares or other types of weird ETFs or wonderful yeah. ETFs. You can do a bit of fun stuff on the side, but mm. not with the core of your money. That's it. So you might have, I don't know, 70, 80, 90, 99% of your money in these core ETFs and then these little bits on the side. Finally, point number seven, which is the alternatives. Mm. So this is a very simple one and it relates, again, all these points are intertwined, but it's really just making the best decision that you can with the information you have. So... I tend to bucket ETFs into categories, for example, like growth or income, higher risk, lower risk, those types of things, and then I compare them within that group. So the easiest way to filter down ETFs is to effectively go, okay, I know I want to invest in Australian shares or growth assets, whatever they might be, get them all in a bucket and then compare the fees, compare, then look at the size, then think about it in terms of your portfolio, how that's going to go. And all of a sudden, you'll go from this huge list of 200 if you just want Australian shares that are going to grow, you probably get down to 30. And then from there, if you weed out all the ones that don't have $100 million, mm-hmm. you might get down to 20. Then if you rank them on fees, you might just take the top five. And then if you go to their website, you read each of those PDSs or the information documents mm-hmm. and consider which ones are right for you. So that's just really all it is. Yeah. And that's as, that's as simple as it can be. It sounds... Like that's what people are paid to do, right? Yeah. I, I know we've offered on a bit, but it's effectively we'll have all this on, on in the show notes. You'll be able to access this. But it's as simple as it sounds. Um, compare apples to apples. Don't get swept up in performance. Don't get swept up in super low fees. Obviously, consider what's best for you. Know or your risk profile. Or get profile. swept up in the marketing materials. The marketing material. Yep. Those. Those are. That's really it. Um, we should mention. PDS. Yes. So the product disclosure statement. So mm-hmm. every exchange traded fund will have that on the website. Um, and it should be in on the ASX as well, but it's probably back at the very beginning. So mm. it might take a while to find, but probably best to start on the website. And that will talk about the risks of that particular product. Um, just in case there's something fishy that you didn't realize was there. So it's worth having a read through. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't never buy something you don't understand. So um, make sure you're fully aware of the risks and what the ETF is actually investing in before you purchase it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, 100%. We've talked a lot about this. In the first 10 episodes, we talked about the basics of investing. Mm. So please go back and review them. And um, two more things I might add is that, one, you can rebalance your portfolio. So many financial advisors have gone bald over this trying to work out the best way to do it but effectively it's just knowing like what your risk profile is and then if you need to perhaps weight other investments so if your shares portion of your portfolio goes from instead of 60% it goes to 90% because it grows really fast and the bonds mm-hmm. go backwards doesn't necessarily mean that you should keep it what it is you maybe need to trim or prune some positions and this, the, the final thing is this is an ongoing process. So if at any time you think, I'm going to use this money, I'm going to go buy a house, I'm going to go on a holiday, then our usual rules apply that you sh- probably shouldn't be investing that money. That money shouldn't be in the market, mm. as tempting as it can be. So um, yeah, maybe consider how that how that's going to work over the next few years and plan two to three years ahead. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I think that's about it. I think we've talked a lot about ETFs. Anything yeah. else? So, well, it's quite simple to get started and... Mm. If you want to learn more, Owen's got a great email series that yeah, takes you yeah, through okay. this in a lot of depth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Maybe it's a lot. Too much. Yeah, we've kind of we had to waffle through this. And we just um, glaze over it all, but yeah, we'll put some links in the show notes and some some useful materials and and ways to get started there. So yeah, cool. So if you have any questions at all, please get in touch with us. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm at howtomoney.online and 
at HowToMoneyAUS on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And we've just created a new email address, podcast at raskfinance.com. So podcast at raskfinance.com. We're getting lots of great questions. So if you want to get in touch, go there. And you can find me on Twitter at Owen Rask. Cool. Thanks for joining me, Kate. Thanks for listening. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.